0: This is three women and a bottle of wine,
1: three
2: friends, three former TV reporters, and one bottle of wine. We're delving into whatever interests us. News, not news, it's what affects our lives, because it's probably affecting yours, too. I'm Kim Inslee. I'm Lynn Melling. And I'm Julie Barkey. And now on with the pod. Roxanne,
0: battle journalist, author, speaker, inspirationalist, is joining us today for three women and a bottle of wine. So Roxanne has a book out, "A Pockets of Joy," and it talks about a life that took an unexpected turn. A lot of our lives take unexpected mm, turns, ain't don't that they? The truth, yeah. Divorce, job loss, making ends meet as a single mom, and an epiphany at some point to choose joy. So her book came out in 2017, and it includes advice on personal, spiritual, and professional wholeness for women. And since this debuted, and it's, it's like been this, this thing that keeps getting bigger and bigger. Roxanne has found a second career as a public speaker, and it's not just based on the success of the book. Um, these are intentional steps to make this happen. And... Uh, You need someone to inspire you to find your joy? Well, Roxanne is the person who's going to do that. So welcome, Roxanne. Hey, Kim. It's really great to be here. Julie and Lynn, thanks so much for the invite. Well, I'm going to start with probably the hardest question because you have a big story. Can you condense a little bit for people who aren't familiar with you? with yes, I was a we were former colleagues. We worked together. <laughs> we worked
3: together at Care eleven, and then the job changed when the internet came along. and I was doing a the show was called the Care 11 Today show. And then um, when the internet came along, so I'm dating myself, <laughs> uh, news managers had to shore up budgets, and my show was targeted. I was left with the decision of either staying with the show, a much truncated version of the show or going back to the newsroom. and I chose neither. I quit, and I went home to raise my my little boy at the time. I was a a working, divorced, single mom with a mortgage, and I uh, found those pockets of joy as I worked my way back. Um, The subtitle of the book is Deciding to be Happy, Choosing to be Free, And it speaks to the decision I made to walk away from my television career. Um, I did find joy. I am free. And if I had to look back at that decision, I'd make the exact same decision all over again. And And that's a very
1: scary decision. And I think a lot of people are probably on that precipice right now. So uh, what are some of the things that helped you decide which direction
3: to go I didn't know the term at the time but in the the speaking that I'm doing in the study that I'm doing with positive psychology what helped me was this thing called self-concordance where your values line up with your life that you act in what you believe and at that point in time I was in love with being a mom and at the same time I would spent some 20 something years in television news kind of been there done that and so when I was faced with this critical juncture I had to say what is the most important thing to me right now and it was that little boy at home and that's what helped me make that decision it wasn't easy at all. It was uh, one of the most gut-wrenching decisions I ever made. I drew a line down the center of the paper, pro, con, stay, go. I talked to mentors, talked to faith leaders. Uh, I write in the book about sitting at my dining room table with a cup of chamomile tea when I finally made the decision to leave. Um, it took great thought and um, it was a decision for me to make at that time. Wow,
2: and. T- you've learned so much i can't imagine how much you have learned just about life and now you are sharing that with people which is amazing it's interesting i had to give a speech uh, at
3: the university of st thomas about a week or so ago and um i thought ah you know i I gave this speech before a year ago before so i'll just whip that speech out and just kind of polish it up and give it again and so a couple days before the event i whipped the speech out and i said i can't give this speech I know so much more than I knew just 300 days ago Hmm. and I ripped it out and started all over again. And there's, and yes, I did learn a lot. Uh, there's a lot of depth, a lot of,
2: um, wholeness. And do you think it's scary when you, you've worked in an industry for so long and you're a mom and you think you know everything. And I know I've been in this position where you find yourself in this position where I don't, I don't know what I don't know. And it's really scary. Um, but how empowering is it to put yourself in that position and then, you know, as the years go on, you realize you're learning more, you have, you're have you still a sponge, you have capacity to grow as a person.
3: And still making your mortgage payment.
2: Exactly, yeah. Right.
3: Well, you know, as I say, I wasn't foolhardy when I walked away. I mean, i stacked up enough acorns to keep the lights <laughs> on. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best metaphor. Yeah. I love so, and, uh, you know, it was, a, it was a huge risk, you know, and I projected out, you know, six months to a year hoping that things would turn around and they did. I ended up, a volunteer position ended up turning into a, a full-time producing position for half mm-hmm. of what I was making when I walked away, but... I was still at home. I didn't have to get up early in the morning. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to work weekends. I didn't have to work holidays. I could pick up my little boy after school. He could go to the park. I could do swimming lessons and soccer. All those things that mattered, mm-hmm. I was available to do that even though I was making half of what That's I used to freedom. make. And mm-hmm. that is work-life balance. It seems like you you found that. So how
1: did you take that? And what made you decide to put it on paper?
3: OK, Then so the thing about work-life balance is it's not a finite definition, finite def- destination. Work-life balance evolves as we go. I have found, and so if you, if I had been faced with this decision when I was a, you know, cub reporter and just starting out and green and eager and excited, I probably would have made a different decision. But the decision came after 20-something years in the business. I'd been there, done that. I was a new mom, you know, and um, so I had to redefine at every step what work-life balance means for me. And in, in the book, I describe it as. A little bit of a lot of the things that make you happy and I think that evolves over time and to your point about you know evolving I think that's what we're here to do is to evolve and to grow and I think that one of the greatest rewards of this journey that I've been on is I understand myself better and have a greater sense of myself I'm a little bit more courageous um, a lot less foolhardy and um, it's just, it's a gift when you allow yourself to be present and, and to grow. We I think- had
0: a, I, sorry, Julie, yeah. I just wanted to, we had a conversation. Was it about a year ago we had lunch together? We had yes, a
3: I actually stalked you. <laughs> I said, Kim, let's have lunch. We
0: must meet. Um, and so the book had been out. You'd been doing book signings. You were moving along you've just created a great segue in terms of evolving. Mm-hmm. You wanted to get to the next level. We had a really specific quest uh, conversation over that. You felt that as a, you had your roles as a speaker and you wanted to bring it to the next level. You felt you had things to say mm-hmm. and take it to a national yeah. level. And mm-hmm. I was super impressed by the fact that you thought that out and you were taking steps. And you recently, um, I don't know the name of, of what you did, but you went with a bunch of other people who were hoping to kind of pitch their best speech to a speaker planner's. showcase,
3: I went to a national And you got
0: S- a lot of, a lot of, uh, uh, momentum off of that. I was
3: booked on the spot. Tell me about that. I thought I was yeah.
0: fascinated by that. Yeah.
3: I was booked on the spot. Um, it was very strategic from day one when I decided after 20 years of mulling over, I'm going to write a book, I'm going to write a book. And because I'm a writer, I wanted to write a book right that was one that was the number one thing on my bucket list and so when I finally got to the point of doing that I drew out a three-year plan literally uh, with dates and months and where I wanted to be on that journey and the end some game of that was to become a national speaker and so if that's the end game I had to back myself up and figure out how I was going to go and do that Um, and the interesting thing Kim about the journey was when I would the first thing I did was social media and I hired a publicist and we did all the legacy media and I talked ad nauseum about, I'm a writer, I wrote a book, I wrote a book. My book's called Pockets of Joy, right? <laughs> I just anybody who's had a conversation, I'm Roxanne Battle and I wrote a book, it's called Pockets of Joy because that's what all my advisors were telling me to, to, to promote the book. But what I found, and this is what really was a wonderful discovery in this process, even though I was very strategic about it, is when I was at the book tables, instant connection, with people who were coming in for book signings and when i walked into the tv and radio stations instant connection with the anchors and the people who were interviewing me they there was something about the book resonated with so many people and i thought i really have to do this i found my thing I got to do this. And so then it became, you know, I sat at every expo for hours signing books, and I'd s- every women's event, all the networking events. And then, you know, word would spread. My first speaking engagement was some happy hour downtown, and I had a basket of 12 books, and they asked me to speak for 10 minutes, and I sold all 12 books as soon as I got done talking, right? So it was very strategic, a lot of networking, a lot of hard work, a lot of pounding the pavement with my books in tow. I had this little red collapsible wagon. That's awesome. Frequent flyer miles on that <laughs> let me
2: tell
3: you. <laughs> that wagon has been all over the Twin Cities. So um, National Speaking reached out to me multiple times and I turned them down. Really? Because I wasn't quite ready. I really wanted to make sure I had something to say. And then the third time they reached out, I said, okay, I did their speaker showcase and I was I was booked right on the spot. Wow!
2: So you had to put
3: yourself in a real place of vulnerability. Absolutely. How hard was that? Well, I think that the, the vulnerability started in writing the book. And I knew that I wanted to write a book that was was authentic because that's one of the, in the last seven, last seven chapters of the book, that's one of the seven steps to joy is authenticity. So I had to tell the truth and I couldn't write the book until I got to the point where I could tell the truth about what happened to me and so um it is risky and scary putting yourself out there you place yourself uh in the spectrum of being judged and and there's you know and um but then the book started winning awards and it starts selling and it caught national attention and then it became a bestseller on amazon in multiple categories And so I thought, what's the market share for the people who want to find their pockets of joy? How many people want to be happy? Well, it's 100%. (laughs) It's 100%. So I really can't lose as long as I stay authentic and true to my story. And so, Roxanne,
1: we all have dreams, but it's another thing just to try to make those happen. And I can imagine a lot of people are listening saying, okay, Roxanne, give me some advice. Mm -hmm. What can I do to try to live my best life?
3: What would that advice be? Really good team and you don't need a lot of people around you but you need really solid people around you people that you trust people that believe in you people that will support you and rally for you i i I get emotional when I think about the the, the few women in my life who have been there every step of the way to help me, whether it's my faith leaders or family or or professional mentors who are going to tell you the truth. And, you know, one of the people that really helped me was my my director of publishing um, when I, because Pockets of Joy was initially self-published, I published it independently, and then I caught the attention of a national publisher out in Pittsburgh. And then they uh, gave me an advance and a book contract to write the book, expand it, 100 more pages and and eight more chapters from the original version. But it was the advice that I got at the initial stage from really smart people who had done this before and knew where the speed bumps were to say, Roxanne, here's what you want to think about. Here's what you want to consider. So the advice I would say is never think you know it all. And nothing, there's no such thing as a dumb question. And
2: the more questions you ask, the oh, better. I love that. I love that. I feel like there's so many people out there who are in this mindset of fake it till you make it. And it drives me nuts. And I'm not afraid to ask a dumb question, but sometimes I feel like, am I missing something? Like, is if am I the only one who's ready just to, act, to put myself out there and ask a dumb question? Because I feel like people are so afraid to look silly. and But this fake it till you make it thing just... Yeah, well, you're, you're, you're doing yourself a
3: disservice. I mean, mm-hmm. one of the things in my television career and my speaking career um, is that people have always said, Roxanne, you're always so prepared. Because I really do love research and so... Yeah, you can fake it to you make, but make sure you've done your research, mm-hmm. you know, make sure you've, you've, you know, I mean, there's, it's, I used, I have the saying, you're stupid if you're stupid. I'm sorry, right. I don't mean to offend anybody. Yeah. <laughs> but with the advent, you know, with so much information, just mm-hmm. literally you at your can change fingertips, that. Yeah. you know, there there's a way to sort of stack the deck in your favor, sure. right, to do the research and to figure things. And then if you still have questions to go in there, you know, with a sense of confidence that you've done
0: all that you can do, and you still need more. One of the things that, um, frankly, you did for me at a lower point in my life, uh, she kind of grabbed me by my lapels, ladies, and said, (laughs) you know, you can do this. The message to me from you was know your self-worth. And you literally said the words, no one can take that away from you, ever. How did you come to the point to where you recognized your self-worth?
3: I knew I had something to say. I had been a writer since I was 11 years old, and I had faced my truth, you know, and I'd come through a very scary and difficult time, and I had come to the other side of it. And so it's like, you can do this. You did this, and with each little victory, Comes a little greater sense of confidence and self-worth. Uh, I walked away from my TV career and I survived that. That was a victory. I raised a st- my only child to be a loving, productive adult. That's a vic- That's my greatest victory. Um, I, I speak with people and they they they're complimentary and interested in what I have to say, that is a victory. For every challenge that I learned, if I sold one book instead of, you know, that's I sold a book, right? You know, so for every little victory that 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 feeds into your worth and and then when you identify your talents and your gifts and your abilities, it just it that just feeds into it and you just believe yourself and every single victory is a win where you become even more and more resilient.
1: Do you have any tips for people to remind them of their self-worth? Because there are managers who will make you feel like you're replaceable at work. There are people out there all the time who don't celebrate successes. They are there to make themselves feel better by bringing other
3: people down. How do you hold that? As I say in in my, my, my presentations, you matter period. You matter. Your ideas matter. Your dreams matter. Your concepts matter. You as a person are a person worthy of consideration, capable of making a difference, however great or however small. And you can start every day with that thought that you matter. That'll help with the, you know, the slings and arrows and the bumps and, and, and the, you know, along the way.
2: Roxanne, we could talk to you all day long, but unfortunately we have to take a quick break, give our sponsor a shout out, and we come back, our final flight.
0: Three Women and a Bottle of Wine is supported by 515 Productions. 515 Productions is a video production business with base camps in Minneapolis and Des Moines, Iowa. Ian, who's so great, and his crew understand the art of creative storytelling. And they know how to make video look really, really good.
2: Learn more at 515productions.com. Our logo was created by Aaliyah DeSaltz, a creativity guru offering art workshops to everyone from business executives to book clubs, because we all have untapped creative potential just waiting to be unleashed. You can find her contact information on our website.
1: You can stay up to date on
2: our podcast by
1: checking out our website, and a wine.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where you'll find behind-the-scenes photos and, of course, much, much more. Be sure you don't miss an episode. Subscribe to our show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Welcome back. We're here with Roxanne Battle, and we are doing our final flight. We are three women and a bottle of wine, and sometimes it's mimosas. Mm-hmm. Like today. Sometimes <laughs> it's coffee. We'll take whatever. All right, Roxanne, mm-hmm. what is the scariest thing you've ever done?
3: Uh, it, was, it was walking away from my career, hands down. Uh, months of angst and decision-making and then I finally made the decision to go and
2: start a new chapter and I have not looked back and succeeded wildly girlfriend's weekend where what are you going to do road trip <laughs> <laughs> we're
3: going to Chicago Memorial Day weekend oh, nice Our, my dear cousin who I can't get enough of is having one of those milestone birthdays and Aww. friends and relatives are coming in from all over the country And so I'm very much looking forward to that.
1: Oh, that's a fun, fun weekend. And let's hope it doesn't transfer into our last question for you the best way to recover from an embarrassing moment.
3: (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's this thing in positive psychology called neuroplasty, where the brain is designed to get over that. Okay, it's about 20. It's 20 minutes where you process embarrassment, and then the brain goes into problem solving. I love that you just know this off the top of your head. No, this is not rehearsed, (laughs) everybody. The brain goes into problem solving mode and and to move past it. So the answer to your question, the best way to get over an embarrassing moment, feel it, and then let it go. And instead of saying, why did that happen, say, what can I learn from this? Because as Brene Brown says, Mm. a failure is not a failure, because the moment you learn from it, it's no longer a failure. So, check your shoes
1: for toilet paper the next time you walk on <laughs> Got it. Okay. So Anyway, Roxanne Battle, it has been such a pleasure. And we just really appreciate you taking some time to talk with us. And of course, we'll all be reading your book and looking for you on the speaker circuit. So, thank, thank you. you. Pockets
3: are joy, deciding to be happy, choosing to be free.
1: And again, thanks again to Prosper Well Financial
0: for hosting us and for the
1: amazing mimosas.
0: What happens when an immigrant entrepreneur partners with a political pundit
2: and Hamlin University professor? The Egg Roll Queen Cafe, of course. We'll learn how Mai Vang built a life in this country, raised a family, and then completely lost her hearing all while building an egg roll empire.
1: And her business partner, Hamlin University political science professor David Schultz, he's going to tell us exactly why he's one of Mai's biggest fans and why women are the key to the outcome of this upcoming election.
0: We'll have it all for you next on Three Women and a Bottle of Wine.